The Tennis Gambling Podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network, presented by Shady Rays. Go to ShadyRays.com and use the code SGPN for 50% off two pairs of polarized sunglasses. We're also brought to you by the Golf Gambling Podcast TaylorMade Stealth 2-Drive Giveaway. Head over to SportsGamblingPodcast.com slash driver to enter today before the big drawing on April 8th. And we're also brought to you by Baseball Money is Fake, our fantasy baseball podcast. Join Blake and Ryan three times a week and get all of the player breakdowns and statistical data you need to dominate. Welcome, everybody, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast from the Sports Gambling Podcast. Narco is currently early Tuesday morning, April 4th, and I'm your host, as always, Scott Rochelle, once again, going solo for this pod. And it is going to be a very, very jam-packed episode because we have three, that's right, count them, three ATP events to preview and give out some futures with, and they're all going to be on clay. So if you are waiting for a bunch of potential long shots to make deep runs and you were tired of seeing Djokovic and Medvedev and Alcaraz and all the usual suspects win every event, this will probably be the week for you because if you wanted to take some long shot flyers, one of them or multiple of, or a couple of them might end up cashing because I do expect to see a lot of chaos over the course of this week. But to quickly look at the three tournaments we're going to be discussing in a minute, you have... I'll go in order here based on the start times of the matches on Tuesday. Starting off with Marrakech, you have a tournament there in Morocco. You also have a tournament going on in Portugal in Estoril. And then last but not least, you have a tournament going on in Houston in the United States. So we're going to do the breakdowns of those three tournaments in that specific order. So we'll be starting off in Marrakech. But before I get into any of the previews, do want to quickly recap how we did on the last episode for the final in Miami, and unfortunately, we went 0-2. They were two pretty brutal losses there that were correlated because for the lock, we had the over in the Sinner and Medvedev match. Looked really good. Thought Sinner was going to win the first set, and then on top of that, I don't think we might have had a tiebreaker because we ended up having 6-5 with Sinner serving, and unfortunately, Sinner got broken to lose the set, which was especially bad, not because of the fact, not just because of the fact that it ended up losing a game, Instead of getting 13, we only got 12. But since Medvedev broke, he ended up serving to lead off the second set. And as a result, he won the second set 6-3. And that ended up killing our over. So a bit of a heartbreaker there, but the dog was definitely the worst beat as we ended up having the uh, underdog. We had Sinner to win the first set at even money. And unfortunately, Sinner ended up going up a break to start the first set and then i thought we were going to be you know kind of battling a bit but i figure you're up a break it's decent value minimum with the underdog and then center got broken twice and he ended up losing the first set so a bit of a heartbreaker for both to make matters worse we also had center to win the tournament and that ended up dying and went down in flames because we gave it out pre-tournament however i did encourage everyone to bet medvedev at minus 130 in the money line to hedge so hopefully ended up hedging and you made yourself some money but center just can't beat this guy. Medvedev is too rock solid and center. Really doesn't excel enough at the net. His drop shots also could use some work. And as a result, Medvedev was able to just park himself well behind the baseline, wait for center to hit some unforced errors. And on top of that, center's foot did start to act up again after he tweaked something against Alcaraz. And once that happened, Medvedev just completely smelled blood in the water and ended up dominating from that point forward. So bit of a rough episode there uh, for the final but look to get back on track here with the futures and outrights episode so enough stalling do want to 
get the show on the road because it will be a long show. So strap in, get some popcorn or potentially some morning coffee and settle in and let's get into it. So starting off with the tournament taking place in Marrakech to go through the actual history here, you have had absolute chaos. You have not had repeat winners since 2011, 2012, and it was randomly Pablo Andujar. But to look at the winners over the last couple of years, Golfen, you had COVID for two years. So it was Golfen, Pear, Andujar, Chorich, Delbonis, Clizon, Garcia Lopez, Robredo, and Andujar. So once again, you have had a lot of really, really random people winning this event. And to mention the runner-ups, Mulcan, Andujar again, Edmund, Cole Schreiber, Chorich, uh, Gamino, Traver, Granolers, Kevin Anderson, Ramos Vanola. So once again, a bunch of really just random players. It's been a hodgepodge collection there. So this should be a tournament that has at least one serious Cinderella. You might get multiple in the final. So keep that in mind. But I think a big reason why you should also expect to see a bit of a longer shot win is the favorite of this event to tell you how crazy this event should become. The favorite in this event, Musetti at four to one. And Musetti, we know, has been awful for several months at this point. He looks completely useless, even on clay. He's looked bad. So Musetti is a complete stay away. If you consider taking Musetti, good luck to you. Won't be me. So Musetti, I'm out on, but he's favored. So you expect you can expect to see a lot of chaos in this event. Greek Spore is the second favorite at 450. You have Jari at around five or 550. Zanschulp at 650. Munara 10 to one. Gasquet at 16 to one. Varius at 16 to one. Yemmer at 18 to one. Gaston at 20 to one. Pizarro at 20 to one. Baina 20 to 1, Papyron at 20 to 1, Evans at 22 to 1, Martinez at 25 to 1, Coria 25 to 1, Bonzi at 33 to 1, Cressy at 33 to 1, and then you have a couple of long shots there. Maybe I'll mention one in a bit, so I don't want to spoil that. But the point is, you might end up seeing a couple of double digit uh, finalists here in terms of odds. But if I had to go in order of what I like, I was torn between Greek Spore and Jari because I do like the form of both players recently, and Jari did just win an ATP event in his home country on clay. So I think I am going to lean to Jari. I see 550, and I do think that his quarter is quite favorable. If you want to look at the quarter draws, Jari is currently plus 162 to win his quarter. Munar is 3-1. to one. Papyron is 333. Evans is 375, and Vavasori is 11 to 1. So Jari is a pretty decent favorite, has roughly uh, half the odds of the second favorite, because uh, Munar is 3 to 1. He's roughly 150, 162, etc. So I think Jari should be able to kind of cruise into the semis. Now, Munar could give him a run for his money. They've had a couple of competitive head to head battles. They did face off in that event that Jari won. And Jari did win in three. In fact, they faced off three times in their careers, all on clay, and it has gone to three sets each time. So maybe that's a bit of a war, but I do think that Jari should win the quarter. Munar can maybe win the quarter as well, but I did not mention this before. Uh, so since there are three clay events, I wanted to research the difference in speed between the three of them. And I will concede the database that I found is a little bit dated, this is from 2019, but there is a 
certain pace index that I found, which tells you the actual uh, speed that each court plays at. And of course, clay is normally going to be the slowest surface. However, I want to at least point out that if you want to look at Marakic, it is one of the fastest clay courts on the actual tour. In fact, if you want to look at the actual speed, Marakic is has a court uh, pace index of roughly 0.97, which is the exact same as the U.S. Open. So Marakic is actually faster than several hard courts. Uh, for example, Miami is 0.86. So Marakic plays fast. So even if you were expecting to see a lot of good ralliers perform well here, which is still definitely possible, you do need to have a little bit of firepower to your game. And I do think as a result, Jari should have a lot of success here. We know the serve is great. He can really volley. He doesn't volley enough, in my opinion. He's got great hands. And I do think that his forehand and backhand can really generate enough firepower to allow him to make a deep run. Now, the problem's unforced errors, which I will concede. But with the speed of the courts, I can see Jari really feasting in tie breaks here. And I think as a result, 550 is going to be my favorite uh, that I'm going to be picking. Now, Greek Spore, once again, kind of neck and neck with Jari, but I get better odds with Jari. So I'll take the guy that actually won an event earlier this year on the ATP uh, clay circuit. So I'll go with him at 550. And then everything else is a crapshoot. So I'm going to stick with what I just mentioned, which is picking guys who have some type of firepower that could allow them to get past opponents. Now, some of these guys I'm going to mention might have difficult draws. I will concede that. However, if you're expecting chaos, you're going to end up having a difficult matchup at some point. So for starters, we mentioned that Musetti is awful based on current form. Now to look at his actual quarter odds, Musetti's plus 110. Pizarro is plus 375. Gaston is 375. Gasquet is 450, so Gasquet and Gaston are in the same section, so be careful there with the uh, tongue twister. And then you also have Mueller at 12 to 1. So Gasquet is facing off against Mueller, and I think at the end of the day, I think there's value on Gasquet at 450. Even though his movement isn't as good as it used to be, he still has the backhand, and he has looked pretty good on hardcore. Is he great? No, but he's had moments, and I think that he's still hanging around. I think Gasquet has the weapons to rally with guys and prolong points using either the backhand rip shot, where he just absolutely obliterates the ball, or even just hitting it with some topspin, just keeping the ball in play and trying to hit some moon balls every now and then to keep his opponents behind the baseline. I think Gasquet has enough variety to make a somewhat interesting run here. And I know it's difficult because he's older and he's got to go on a deep run, but 18 to one to win this event, I think is decent value for a guy that we've seen make deep runs before. I think Gasquet is worth something at 18 to one. So I'll take a flyer there on Gasquet and then, if you want to look at some other guys I was tempted by, I was tempted by Bonzi, potentially, but he's got a first-round match against Varius, which is a very difficult match, so I think that's a pure stay-away, because really, either guy could win. I find, the, I find the Pissarro odds fascinating, because he beat Karatsev in the first round. Good win, I guess. I hope for their sake there was a bunch of wind, because each player, Karatsev and Pizarro, had 13 double faults. And the issue I have with Pizarro, 
I don't think he's a good enough server to make a deep run. Now, the argument is he's still Italian. He's good on clay. I get it. But I think Gasquet can do enough to keep Pizarro uncomfortable. And I think I think Gasquet is going to beat Moore because I think that Gasquet is a better player. But the point is, I think if you want to go for a long shot who is in the worst one seeds region, which would be Musetti, I think Gasquet at plus 450 to win the quarter has merit. And I do think that it's definitely worth something. Now, the argument that you could be making is, is there value on, for example, a Passaro to win the quarter? Maybe, because he already won his first-round match, so he has an extra day of rest against Gasquet or Moore, and he'd face off against the winner of that. But Gaston's tricky. I don't think he's good enough to beat Musetti, but Musetti's a head case. If you wanted to go for two flyers here in the quarter market, I don't mind Pizarro at 375, but I got to be careful about the serving because he might get broken a lot, and that's going to be a problem on such a fast court, fast clay court. Gasquet is not a great server either, but he can defend it better. So I think I'm just going to go with Gasquet at 450, and we'll go from there. Hopefully Pizarro doesn't beat him. If he does, I'll kind of be kicking myself. But I'll go with Gasquet to win the tournament as my first somewhat long shot there at 18-1. to Moving on to anybody else I'm tempted by. So Coria, I thought about because he actually has a pretty decent serve for a guy of his limited stature on clay. The problem is he doesn't have much firepower, so I do think he's going to have some problems at times, but we saw him make a pretty good run there to a final in his home country, and we had him to win the tournament, and then he lost to Baez, which sucks. But Coria, I think, is good if you want to take a flyer, but once again, the lack of firepower does have me a little bit concerned. As for his draw, though, it is not bad. He has a qualifier in round one and face off against either Baina or Cressy, and then probably Greek Spore, I think he should have a. She should get past the qualifier. The question is, can he get past Baina or Cressy? I'd normally assume Baina, except for the fact that it's going to be a fast clay surface and Cressy can serve in volley. I wouldn't be surprised if Cressy actually won a round or two. Uh, so I'm a little bit concerned about that. But Coria, he's got good movement. I'm not sold on the firepower, so that's going to be a bit of a concern. But once again, I think really anybody can make a run here. And I do like Coria's game. I I know I just roasted the firepower and all, but I still think he's a good player. Don't get me wrong. And the serve can still hold its own with some aces every now and then. So I think I will go with a flyer on Coria. Maybe it's a little bit of personal bias because I actually just like him as a player and he did make it to a final for us when he was our long shot a couple months ago. But if you want to look at his quarter draw, it is an interesting one because he's in Greek Spore's region. Greek Spore's minus 110, which I know Greek Spore is a good clay court player, but 110 does sound kind of crazy. Uh, Yemmer is the second favorite at 350. Baina's at 450. Corey is at 550. Cressy's at 7-1. to one, And then you have a couple of serious long shots. I assume Greek Spore's going to win the quarter. But at 550, I don't mind Coria to potentially make a run to win the quarter. But I think there's, once again, I'm going to take a bunch of long shots. So this episode could really be disastrous. I'm going to warn you, or it could be really, really good. So there's a bit of extra danger here because you don't exactly have much direction when you've had so many different winners win this tournament and most of the winners aren't even here in this event. Anduar tried to qualify, didn't even make it, because he's well past his prime at this point. So anybody can win this tournament. 
give me a flyer on Coria. And my last flyer, which I have to mention, he's 10 to 1 to win the quarter, but I think there's value on it. So I am going to go with Christopher O'Connell at 66 to 1. Now, 66 to 1 is a very good price. Shopping around, you can find most books at 50. However, I did find a 66 to 1. So I'm going to take it. Now, the main reason why I am tempted by O'Connell 66 to 1 is because of the fact that, especially on the challenger circuit, he's actually very good on clay. And I feel like most people don't know this. O'Connell, in his career, according to Tennis Abstract, which I'm using for a database, 147 and 71 on clay. So he's very good on clay. He made it to the round of 16 in Geneva in 2022. The issue is he hasn't played on clay in about a year. So you have to wonder about early tournament rust, which could be a problem. But I mentioned before, I want some firepower and O'Connell does have a nice one-handed backhand. He's not afraid to go for some, go for broken some shots. Even on, on hard court, he wasn't great per se. Did take a set on Medvedev, so there's that. But I think it's 66 to one. If you're looking at a guy who has a decent draw, it's not horrible. Like, he faced off against Bonadio in the first round as a qualifier. Once again, Italian clay court specialist, but still, it's a qualifier. Then faced off against Zanschulp, who's also making the transition from hard to clay, who's a decent at best clay player, not great. And then you're looking at potentially Bonzi or Varias or Martinez. There is a path there. Is it likely? Probably not. But it's 66-1, to 1 and 10 to 1 to win the quarter. I think that's worth something. Like 10 to 1 to win the quarter is really not bad when you have Zan Schulp as the favorite and he hasn't played on clay for a while either. And you have Varias and you have Bonzi and Martinez, and they're all going to kill each other before even facing off against O'Connell. I think the path is not bad. Now, the problem is he has to face off against Zan Schulp, but Zan Schulp has a bye. So he is making the hard court to clay court transition immediately, and you might see a lot of rust early on in that match. So O'Connell will be my long shot there. I think my plan for this event was to just pick one winner from each quarter and just hope they go on a run. So to go through my picks once again, just quickly going through the quarters, I have Gasquet to win the first quarter at 450. I have O'Connell to win the second quarter at plus 1,000. The third quarter, I'm going to go with Coria at 550. And the last quarter, I'm going to go with Jari. Jari's going to be my favorite. Uh, He's the lower-odded guy that I'm going to pick. I try to give out one that I like. So I see Jari at 550. I'll take him. Uh, I'm going to take Gasquet at 18 to 1. I'm going to go with Coria. I'm just going to quickly check if there's any uh, better overall odds here on Corey because I see around 25 to 1 but I'm going to try to get greedy I see 28 to 1 on Coria so I'll take that and last but not least I'm going to go with O'Connell to win at 66 to 1 you know I saw Mulcan make a run last year to a final in this exact event he's also another pretty volatile guy who can hit a lot of unforced errors but he's got talent and he can overwhelm other players at times with his overall talent I think O'Connell can make a run So that's going to be my outrights there. Once again, could blow up in our faces, so be careful. But that's my quick thoughts on uh, Marrakesh. Now it's time to move into the second tournament, which is going to be Estoril. And unlike uh, Marrakesh, we are going to end up transitioning to a much slower 
clay surface, according to the database from 2019. This is the third slowest court on the entire schedule. The only uh, two courts that are slower, Buenos Aires and Monte Carlo. So clay, third slowest in the entire uh, schedule. So keep that in mind. So as a result, you can't expect to see a lot of ralliers win events here. And to look at who has had success here, Baez won last year. Ramos Vinolas won the year prior. You had Tsitsipas in 2019. Zhao Souza, Karenia Busta, uh, Almagro, and you had Gasquet. So some firepower here and there, but you mostly have seen guys who are good at keeping the ball in play. And to look at who's been able to make some deep runs, Tiafos made two finals, Nori made a final, Cuevas made a final, uh, Mueller made a final. Mueller making a final is kind of crazy here. Uh, Karenia Boost also made a final, and you had Kyrgios in 2015. So I do think when you're looking at the history of this event, Baez is in this event, so keep that in mind if you want to go for a former champion and you want to play that angle. Uh, if you want to look at his odds, Baez is around... I believe it was either eight to one or ten to one. Once again, I'm kind of shopping around on the fly here. Baez was eight to one. So if you want to take a flyer there, I see eight fifty. If you want to go for the defending champion angle, which I don't mind, he looked a little bit iffy against Albert yesterday, but he got the job done in straight sets anyway. And we know Baez is a really good clay court player, so I think Baez is definitely going to be on my card for sure. Uh, but to look at the most interesting player in this event. It's actually the favorite. It's going to be Casper Rude at plus 250 because Rude has been horrible in 2023. And he actually addressed his struggles earlier this past week. And he stated that a big mistake he made was not giving himself ample rest time after the 2022 season. So the offseason, in other words, he did not do a good enough job of resting himself for the 2023 season. And he kind of blamed the tour that he went on with Nadal. If you don't know this, he went on an exhibition tour with Nadal, and he has complained about not exactly being rested with his body, and as a result, he struggled. So Rude being favored is a little bit dicey, but I understand it, because Rude has not played on clay for a year. If you remember, he did make the French Open final last year. Nadal killed him, but Nadal's killed everybody at Roland Garros. The point is, Grude, despite having a U.S. Open final run and even making the finals of the ATP final on hard court, he's, his best service is clay and it's not even close. And if you want to look at his career winnings, he's won nine career singles titles in his professional career. Eight of those nine were on clay. So, Rude has been a clay court machine. He won three clay titles last year, one in Gestad, Geneva, and Buenos Aires, and made the final of the French Open. In 2021, he won four clay titles in Kitzenbühel, uh, one in Gestad, one in Bustad, and one in Geneva, and in 2021, in Buenos Aires. So, the point is, he's great on clay. If you go based on normal form, it's a slippery slope to play, but bear with me. If you go based on normal form, Root is easily the best clay court player here, and it's not even close. You're looking at the other favorites here. You have Fakina, who's good on clay, but we know he's a little bit volatile at times. You have Herkaz, who's making the transition from hard court to clay. Decent clay court player, but it is once again a slow clay court. So I think Herkaz is going to struggle in this environment. 
Agut's pass is prime. Baez at eight to one or eight fifty. I already mentioned I would be interested in him. Kekmanovich is twelve is a twelve to one. You have team at twenty to one. That's an easy pass. Uh, Kechinato twenty to one. Nice win there against Schwartzman. Uh, but Schwartzman we know is not good, and Kechinato has had issues with his durability recently. So I'm not tempted by him either. Fognini looked great. Maybe I'll get back to him in a second, but I'm not sure if I trust him enough. Ramos Vinolas is 20 to 1. I mentioned before that he does have a uh, title here back in 2021. So if you want to go for that historical winner, you can pick him as well. The problem is I've backed Ramos Vinolas a couple of times and he's burned us, but I have to acknowledge he is a clay court specialist. Uh, besides that, though, do I like anybody else? Zapata Marias has actually been really good on clay this year. That might be worth something if you want to go for a flyer. Now, I got to look at the actual draws for the players. So, Rude has a pretty easy draw until the quarterfinals. He has a bye in the first round, then faces off against either Zepieri uh, or Souza. And I think that Rude would easily beat both those guys. And then he'd face off against Baez. So, unfortunately, my two favorite picks for this tournament play against each other in the quarters, which absolutely sucks, because I think that Rude and Baez are the two best clay court players here, just going through the actual draw. So I think I have to give out both, even though one of them is going to die, probably, uh, well, definitely before the semis, which is just brutal. But I think I have to pick Rude. He's so good on clay, and before last year, I really thought Rude was a, was a clay court specialist because he hadn't won anything on hard court, and yet he still made a couple deep runs on hard court last year. But clay is his bread and butter. He hasn't played on, on clay in a year, so I'm hoping the familiar service will allow him to get back on track. But Rude has such an easy path in the first couple rounds. Baez had a bit of a war there against Albert in yesterday's match. Has to face off against Kachin. He should beat the crap out of Kachin, to be honest with you. So... I think I'm going to go with Rude. I'm going to go with Baez. Baez, I have to go with. He's defending champion. It's plus 850. I got to give him out anyway. Now you get into the fun part of picking out some long shots. Pechinato against Fognini in the second round is just a lot of fun. That's my only takeaway there. Just a lot of fun. So I'll be watching that match, definitely. I do think there's some interesting value on the bottom half because I'm not sold on Herkaz here. And Zapata Marais face off against Rocha who he should beat in the first round. Roach is a qualifier, a local qualifier. But I think Zapata Marais can beat Herkaz on clay. He's been very, very good on clay. And the problem that he ran into is he ran into Alcaraz a couple times. But he's been sharp, and he faces off against Herkaz and then either Ramos Finolis or Kekmanovic, who's not exactly great on clay. He's fine. And then in the other region, he faced off against either... Fakina or Fognini. I, I think that if you, the more you look at it, I think that there's actually some value on a potential long shot with Zapata Marias, especially with his form on clay this season. Now, the issue was he did get injured on hard court. He faced off against Baina. He didn't win a game. I believe he lost 6 0, 3 0, and he retired. But he might have just wanted some time off because he knows that he sucks at hardcore and he wanted to move on to clay. But Zapata Marais, for a guy who's actually made a couple of decent runs on clay about a month or so ago, you're getting good odds. You're, I mean, you're looking around 28 to 1 for a pretty good clay court player. I think it's a pretty generous price. I think I'm going to take it. I think I'm going to go with Zapata Marais to 28 to 1. And I think that there is some value on that. 
And then if I want to go for any other potential long shot, I mean, the Ramos Vanolas piece of it, I think I just, I can't even say I dislike him, but I just, I don't know. Like, I feel like he, he definitely was able to make some deep runs, but he's older. The movement's not great. The serve is okay, but it seems like he always ends up in marathons in the first couple rounds, which he might win, and then the wheels fall off. And I think that you're going to end up seeing that with Ramos Vanolas, but he really doesn't have a good quarter. You're looking at his section. It's going to be, uh, for the most part, Kekmanovich. Then either Zapata Marias or Herkaz. So it's not exactly a favorable draw. Then you'd have to face off against either Fakina or Fagnini or Kecinato. So probably Fakina. I don't think Ramos is good enough to win this event. He might be good enough to win the quarter, but I don't really see much more than that. So I think I'm going to stay away from Ramos Vinolas. So I think my favorites that I'm going to go with, give me Rude at plus 250. Give me Baez at plus 850. I'm going to go with Zapata Marias at 28 to 1. And I think that's it. I wanted to make a case for another one, but I really don't see much else. I will go through some quarters, though. Root is minus 138 to win the quarter. Baez is plus 187. There's no value there. I'll tell you that much right now. Uh, Second quarter, there's some value because Agut is favored, and I've mentioned several times Agut's past his prime. Team is at 4-1. to Team sucks. I I, I root for Team because I'm a huge fan of his back in the day. He's just not very good at this point. I've mentioned several times he's a challenger-level player. Ben Shelton, yeah, I don't think you're ready for clay, especially a slow type of clay. I don't think Shelton's ready for that. Borges is interesting because he's been very good in the challenger circuit lately, but that was mostly on hard court. Hallis is 8-1, to Offner 16-1, to and Les Tien is 16-1. to Am I... I think there's some value on either Borges or Hallis. I'd probably lean Borges because he is Portuguese. So if you want to go for the home crowd, there's some value there at 450 on Borges, but it's mostly because I don't trust any of the three guys in front of him with a good team or Chelton. So I'm going to lean to Borges there to win the second quarter at plus 450. Third quarter is a fun one. Fakin is minus 125. Fagnini's 275. Kecinato's 350. And Van Acha, I, I, Van Acha, I think that's how you pronounce it, a 6-1. to one. I'm on Fakina. I want to make a case for Fagnini or Cacinato, but they play against each other, and I'm concerned they're going to kill each other. Fakina's been great this year. He's given some top players some runs for their money. He hasn't been able to close out matches, but the point is he has been able to compete, and I think that his skill set is definitely going to translate well here. His best surface is clay. He just got better on hard court, so... I think he's going to look pretty sharp here. The minus 125, you get no disagreement for me. I'm going to link to Fakina as well. And fourth quarter, I mentioned it before. I think if you want to go for Ramos Vinolas at plus 400 and Zapata Marais at 500 to win the fourth quarter, I don't mind that either. And you'll just let Herkaz potentially get upset there. But I'm going to go for some flyers once again. If it blows up in our face, it blows up in our face. But we've had a very good year so far with outrights and even just matches. So we can afford to risk some of it in what could be some volatile tournaments in pursuit of massive payouts. So that's going to be our picks for the outrights for this event. Now moving on to Houston. Full disclosure, I do not have quarter odds for Houston, so we will only be talking about the actual outrights to win the entire event. So 
Starting off with the history of this event, this is a weird one because this is also one of the slowest clay courts on the entire circuit, and yet decent servers have done well here. You had Opelka against Isner last year in the final on clay, which sounds absolutely just mythical, but it was def it was true. It happened, and Opelka beat him in straight sets. They didn't have the tournament for two years in 2021 and 2020. Green won in 2019 against Rude. You had Johnson, who won it twice in 2017-2018, beating Sandgren and Bellucci. Shout out to Bellucci, who retired. He had, a good, he had himself a good career. Uh, Monaco won in 2016 against Jack Sock. Sock won in 2015 against Query. The point is I'm going way back. You have Verdasco's name in here, Almagro's name in here, Isner. A lot of guys who aren't relevant anymore. Now, to go through the actual odds here for the favorites, you have Tiafo at 375. You have Paul at 550. Nakashima at 9 to 1. Green at 10 to 1. Isner at 11 to 1. Wolf at 15 to 1. Makic at 15 to 1. You have Altmaier at 17 to 1. Vukic at 19 to 1. Echeverry at 19 to 1. The point is, uh, it's basically all you need to know. Uh, this is really going to be a weird tournament. And I had to. Uh, at least mention the odds. I was actually pre-tournament. Vukic already lost, so I take that back. Uh, but the point is, we're going through the main names here, uh, and I do think at the end of the day, you will see one of the favorites probably win. If you wanted a potential long shot here, maybe, keyword maybe, I'd consider taking a flyer with... Uh, sorry, just pulling up his overall match here. Uh, Hoffman maybe plays Watanuki in the first round, and then Tommy Paul. Tommy Paul not exactly great on clay, so maybe Hoffman, who we saw make a decent run there in Chile, plus twenty nine hundred. I don't, I don't mind that. I think that it has some value to it if you wanted to go for a potential long shot. Uh, besides that, am I tempted by really anybody else in the long shot department? Uh, so if you want to go based on who's had some success on clay this year, then I feel like you got to at least uh, mention Echeverry. And Echeverry plays against Juan Manuel Sarundolo. That's the worst version of Sarundolo. Then either Altmaier or Purcell, and then probably facing off against Nakashima, uh, at least based on odds. Now, I don't think Nakashima's going to get that far. I'll get into that in a second. But I think that is probably worth something at around... Uh, what I said the price was there, uh, 19 to 1. Yeah, I think that's worth something at 19 to 1. Uh, but if I am going to go through the favorites here, Tiafo has been pretty good on clay. He'll be my favorite choice. So I usually try to give out one guy with short odds. I'll give out Tiafo. Paul, I'm out on. I think that even though he's a good player, I'm not sold in him on clay, so I'm going to pass. Nagashima, as far as I know, hasn't really done anything on clay, so I think he's going to struggle. And then you have my second choice here. You have Green at around 10 to 1. Now, Green had himself a pretty good hardcourt run there, but he once again won this event. So you have a former winner in 2019 who's a clay specialist who played really well on hardcourt leading up to this event. I really like his current form. I think there's value on him at 10 to 1, and I'm going to take him. So give me Green at 10 to 1. I thought about maybe Mokic because I really, really like his game, but I'm a bit concerned that he's too young. And I'm not sure if he's ready to go on a full potential, uh, you know, glory Cinderella run here. 
He faced off against Jack Sock in the first round. I know Sock has done well here. I don't care. Jack Sock should be playing doubles only because he doesn't actually work on his fitness and he's extremely out of shape for singles, which is why he fatigues very quickly. So Makic, I think, has a decent path as well. I don't mind it. I think Makic is actually really good on clay based on challenger events. So you could make a case for it, but I don't know if I think he's actually going to win the event. So I might be out on him. The issue with Gareen that I didn't mention before is that he does face off against Delian in the first round, and Delian is also a very good clay court player. So that's a really difficult first round match. But I really like the current form of the former champion in this event. So I want to quickly pull up Makic's uh, history on clay. I believe he's won a couple of clay challenger events, I think. But I just want to confirm here. Let me see uh, how he's done on clay in his career. Yeah, he's really good on clay. Uh, 48 and 26 in his career on clay. 8 and 1 in the last year or so. So he, he ended up making the semifinals in a challenger event in Prague. Made the quarters in another challenger event. And then in Houston last, sorry, Houston this year, he ended up going through qualifying one in straight sets. So he hasn't exactly beaten many great players on clay, but he has a lot of experience in the challenger circuit on clay. And if you remember on hard court, he did push Djokovic to three sets. And I believe it was Dubai. I think it was a three set tiebreaker. So I do like his form, but it's 15 to one to pick a mostly challenger specialist who's slowly moving up the ranks to the ATP circuit, to pick him to win the event at 15-1, to 1, I think I'm out on, so I think I'm going to pass. So once again, my outrights for this event are going to be Tommy Paul at... Uh, no, sorry, it's going to be Tiafo at 375, Green at 10-1, to 1, not taking Isner because he's absolutely cooked physically. So those are going to be my main two favorites, quote-unquote. Give me Echeverry at 19-1, to 1, and give me Hoffman at 29 to 1. I'm not sure Hoffman's going to win it, but he looked pretty decent in Chile, and I know that he's got a pretty decent serve, so he can maybe make a decent run here. But that's going to be my four outrights there. I would list all my outrights once again for every event just quickly, but that implies I remember what the hell I just gave out because I've given out so many in this podcast. So starting off once again... Oh, boy. Uh, Okay, so let me just quickly pull this up and and just make sure I got this right. So for Marakic, my outrights to win the event are going to be Jari at around 550. I'm going to go with Gasquet at 18 to 1. I'm going to go with... Did I give out Corey in the... I think I gave out Corey in the end. So Corey at 28 to 1 and O'Connell at 66 to 1. And those will also be the quarter bets that I gave out, so I got each of those guys to win their quarters. Uh, if I'm forgetting any plays, I'm sorry, but uh, whatever I mentioned before. Now, moving on to Estoril, I like Casper Ruud at 250. I like Baez at 850. I like Zapata Marias at 28 to 1, and that's it. But I will also throw in Ramos Vinolas to win his quarter, and I think that Ramos Vinolas or Zapata Marias to win their quarter is a pretty good deal. And once again, for Houston, no quarter odds, but I do like Tiafo at 375, Garina 10-1, Echeverry at 19-1, and Hoffman at 29-1. But that's going to wrap it up for the outright section of the episode. Now it's time to get into the actual lock and dog picks. But 
Before she do that, can have a quick word from our sponsor. We're brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Underdog Fantasy is a great place to get down on your fantasy and player props all year long. Underdog Fantasy has your favorite NBA, NHL, and MLB daily games. Plus, they're already doing best ball drafts for the 2023 NFL season. Head over to underdogfantasy.com and use the promo code SGPN for a 100% deposit bonus up to $100. It's on underdogfantasy.com, promo code SGPN. PN. We're also brought to you by the Golf Gambling Podcast and their tailor-made driver contest. The contest is completely free to enter, and you have a chance to win an awesome tailor-made driver. The, dra- the drawing will happen on a Sunday, April 8th, so make sure you get in by going to sportsgampodcast.com slash driver, sportsgampodcast.com slash driver. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tennis Gambling Podcast. Just finished going over our outright picks for the three tournaments. Now it's time to get into the actual lock and dog picks. A lot of matches to choose from, so we kind of had to dig through a lot, but we found a couple that I, or I found a couple that I like. So starting off with the lock, I am going to go to Astoral, and I am going to be going with a pretty hefty favorite here, but I'm going to take him to win in straight sets. It's going to be in the matchup between Zapata Marias and Rocha, and for this matchup, we're going to take Zapata Marias to win in straight sets at minus 140. Simply put, Rocha, it's a local tennis prospect from Portugal who got through qualifying and made it into the main draw. He didn't really beat anybody that was good on clay, though, in qualifying, and he also was mostly a futures player. He might be good someday on clay, but it's a massive step up in competition, and Zapata Marais has been very good on clay this year. I know he struggled on the hardcourt season, but I don't really care. Zapata Marais isn't known for being a good hardcourt player at all. He's a clay court specialist. I think he gets back on track here on, on his favorite surface against a relative unknown Give us a pot to Marias to win in straight sets at minus 140 as my lock. And for my dog, going to go to Houston, going to look at a match between Giron and Gomez. And Giron is a pretty decent favorite here. However, I think he's a bit too big of a favorite. I'm going to take Gomez plus three and a half games at even money. If you want to take the money line for Gomez, it is in the two to one range or so. I don't hate it but I am a bit concerned about his recent form, but I'm simply put going to take this because Giron, historically speaking, is horrible on clay. Giron in his career is 21 and 28 straight up on clay. He's three and nine straight up on clay in the last year, and he's laying somewhere in the $2 range. I understand it's in America. It's his home country. I get it, but he's not good enough on clay to be laying a number like this. And Gomez, despite not being in great form lately, Historically speaking, he has been pretty good on clay, so I think he has the comfort advantage on this overall court, and I think it's fascinating that Giron is favored by a pretty decent margin. Giron is around minus 289, Gomez is around plus 240, and yet Gomez to win a set in this match is minus 120, and Giron to win in straight sets is around minus 110. So Gomez is kind of expected to win a set, and yet he's getting three and a half games, which I find really fascinating. I think that Gomez really has the talent to make this match intriguing, and if Giron continues to struggle on clay like he has historically, then I think you have a war on your hands. If you want to take over two and a half sets of plus 160, I maybe wouldn't mind that either, but I'm going to play it safe, and I'm going to go with Gomez plus the three and a half games and hope that he keeps this match competitive and what could be a win or a loss. So once again, the lock and dog picks for the show. Going to take Zapata Marais, minus one and a half sets. 
at minus 140 as my lock. And my dog will be Gomez plus three and a half games at even money. That's going to wrap it up for this episode. We'll be back once again later in the week. I'm assuming that we're going to be back for probably the semis of each of these events because there's really just too many matches to go through on a day-to-day basis. And to be honest, the fields aren't really good enough to warrant going through daily episodes because once again, you could just see a bunch of chaos. So hopefully the outrights win, hopefully the lock and dog wins. And other than that though, you can find me on Twitter, right? Show radio, find me on the NBA show, uh, beyond for Tuesday. So keep an eye on that. Also doing NFL shows around once a week, maybe once every other week. It is the offseason after all. But until next time, good luck to all of you and all of your bets. Bye, everyone.